welcome to the Unruly Podcast. My name is Kaylin Otto, and I'm your host. Together, we'll traverse all things travel. But I always talk about travel magic because it happens if you leave some space for it. Activism. So we can see that these ideas of oppressing animals develop very closely with our ideas of oppressing people and women. Alternative living. Who we are is nature. Who we are is creativity. Who we are is power. And more. The system hates a rebel. I just like to encourage everybody to keep being their beautiful, unique, individual selves. All right, let's get unruly. Hello, welcome back. It feels so good to be talking to you. I hope it feels just as good to be listening again. I just got back from traveling for about a month and a half, and today I'm going to sit down with my partner and talk to you about one of our favorite destinations that we visited on this trip, and that was Morocco. We will be talking about the good, the bad, the funny, the ugly, uh, the things that made us nervous, the things that blew our minds in the best way possible. We're also going to talk about how we budgeted for and on this trip, and some things that we wish we would have done differently. Now, the first thing that I wish I would have done differently for this trip was finding my tickets through point.me. Basically, it's this fantastic search engine for finding flights that maximize points that you're using, whether that's credit card points or airline points. Now, I've used them in the past and saved a lot of points, which equals saving a lot of money on my flight, And I just booked these tickets so fast and I booked them at weird random times that I really didn't think it through. So I'm letting y'all know this so that you can use this incredible resource. Now, they have a new function called the Explore feature on their website, and I'm looking at it right now. And when you go on to that section of their website, you can find awesome deals that other users have recently found. For example, you can fly from JFK to Cleveland for 6,000 points or to Philadelphia, the Bahamas for 10,000 points. How about the Dominican Republic for 15,000 points or Lima, Peru, which I have been to before, for 17,500 points. They are the sponsor of today's episode, so go show them a little love by clicking on their website linked in the show notes. And honestly, when I first started using this site, I started with a free trial, so you can do the same. You can also buy a day pass for $5, or you can get a yearly subscription. To learn more about point.me with the link in the show notes. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Unruly Podcast. I know we took a break there for a second and skipped a month, but that was because I was off traveling and backpacking and ended up going to Denmark for Christmas, even hitchhiked a little bit in Sweden, went to Portugal, Spain, and Morocco. So in today's episode, we're going to talk all about Morocco, just how it was if you're interested in traveling there in the future and just some stories from our trip if you think you'll never go there but you want to hear about the adventure so our guest today is my partner tim who i was traveling with and tim my surprise question for you to get to know you is on all of the trips that we've done together in all the countries when have you been the most scared i've never been like scared for our lives what I've been scared for our lives multiple times. Oh. <laughs> like the whitewater okay. rafting, 
the caving with only a candle and going through holes where you can't even see anything. You can't see what's on the other side. Like you're jumping in a hole that's filled with water and just hoping it will shoot you out the other side somewhere where there's air. Yeah. I guess whenever you have a guide and they're smiling at you, I mean, it gives me a false sense of security. This is normal. Yeah. You know, for him or them or whatever, you know. It's just another day at work. I don't think it's had that effect on me. But we've never been in a situation where I'm looking around and there's just absolute panic. Oh, when we hiked in Ecuador and we got caught when I was having really bad altitude sickness and we got caught in a lightning rainstorm on the top of a mountain. Yeah. I feel like you panicked then. Yeah. Well, I was worried just because it didn't seem like you were able to, to really move and we didn't really have the ability to find shelter call someone for hope yeah this trip that we did this year we didn't do anything where i feared for my life which is i feel like every trip so far we had Mm -hmm. we have i felt that way so this one was a little bit different but i want to talk about morocco and the first thing is we took the ferry from spain to morocco and it was a really big ferry was it what you were expecting i mean it was a lot it was a lot bigger than i was expecting Yeah, and and the ferry was pretty smooth overall, but it started out with there being a delay, and we didn't quite know why, and the people who were working, they really kind of had an attitude and kept telling us to just go sit back down without explaining what was happening. So we ended up waiting a couple of hours before we got on the ferry, and then once we were on the ferry, it was really smooth, and I thought it was pretty crossing Mm -hmm. between the two countries. But then there was some turbulence at the end, and they said it was because of the weather. And we almost had a big collision with another ship. And then some little towboats came and straightened us out. And we got to get off the ferry. But then we realized that I had booked us the wrong ticket, because we thought we'd get off the ferry and just walk to the place that we were staying, like a 12-minute walk. But when I looked at the map, when I got Wi-Fi, when I got off the ferry, it was like over an hour away by car. I panicked a little bit then, but you didn't seem to panic. We had just gotten a really early start on the day, so we had a lot of daylight left. We had found that person that was also traveling. The German. That seemed to have some familiarity with French and Arabic. So we teamed up together and got a taxi together, which was a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. And there's just power in numbers whenever things start to go a little awry. You can kind of reach out and usually find some other people that are in similar situations. And it just makes it a lot easier. Yeah. You know? Like we're all going to get through it together kind of thing. We'll use little bits of different languages that we know. Yeah. To figure out what people are saying. It was pretty fluid, actually. Yeah. Whenever we realized that we were over an hour away from where we were supposed to be. And we didn't know the either of the two primary languages. We didn't have any currency. Yeah, and neither one of us had been in the Arabic country. Yeah, so what did you think when we were taking that first taxi ride to where we were going? What Was Morocco that you saw different from what you were thinking, or did you not really have a lot of expectations? Yeah, it's hard to know what to expect. I feel like even just reading like on the internet, like, doing research on different travel bloggers and stuff. I think we all have like different 
perceptions, like we can all see the same thing and perceive it differently. I really didn't know what to expect. When we got out of the taxi, I expected it to be like much more chaotic. Well, I think I had talked about my experience being in Rwanda and Uganda before. That's my only experience in Africa. And it was much more chaotic. So that's what I was expecting when we got there. Yeah. And that's what I had set you up for too, I think. Tangier definitely felt a lot different than any other place that we went to. Yeah, that was the first place that we went to. And we actually stayed in the Medina. And if you don't know what a Medina is, I didn't either until we got there. Tim kept saying, we're staying in the Medina. And I just kept saying, okay. I never really asked what that was or looked it up. But it's this much older part of the city that's basically its own little, what would you say, its own little city, its own little hub that's walled and it's all connected yeah it's just the the streets are very narrow they clearly weren't built for cars occasionally you'll have someone driving down the street with a motorcycle or a bicycle or something electric scooter yeah but you see full-size cars ever it's just way too narrow and it felt like a maze yeah it, was, it feels yeah, like a like maze a, when you're walking through it's it. It's like a massive labyrinth. Yeah. Which is really fun, you know, and... It's fun if you're not, if you don't get claustrophobic and if you don't worry easily when you get lost. Yeah. And for me, I felt like whenever we went for the first time reading about the Medinas, I felt like I I was going to be maybe a little bit more conservative as to our routes, trying not to get lost. Whenever you get to a place, you can you kind of get a feel for it and, and you get more and more comfortable. And some places take me a little longer mm-hmm. to get comfortable than others. But in Morocco, it was a much shorter period of time. Same day we're in the Medina, I felt very comfortable to kind of to get lost. Which the internet, in this case, was not as helpful as it usually was because I felt so safe in Morocco. Like, yeah. Almost all the time. Yeah. Which I I guess that's part of travel, busting the myths. mm -hmm. Just in the U.S., there is a lot of Islamophobia and and different things in the media that if you grew up in the U.S. and you've never been to an Arabic country, you might have preconceptions that aren't really accurate. And I don't think that that's necessarily your fault. I think you're, you're just a product of your environment, so... But yeah, I think whenever you go there, it's pretty interesting, especially at nighttime because it's like much more of a night culture just because of the desert heat and stuff. People stay out later, really late, pretty late at night. And, you know, there's entire families out. Like 11 o'clock at night, everyone's coming out yeah, with their kids. You know, like getting groceries and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that's a tip for you. If you're that type of person and you're not going to stay up late and you're going to be in the thick of it, bring some earplugs just know that people are going to yeah. be out and about, and that's just how it's going to be almost every day of the week. Yeah. But I think that's a, it was like a huge difference in culture from the U.S. to Morocco. It doesn't seem like the safety level goes up or down depending on the time of day. You yeah. Know? yeah you're like right. if you're in cities in the U.S., parts of the U.S., you're going to feel a huge difference between 12 o'clock noon versus midnight. You yeah. know, like there's going to be a, a big difference in feeling. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there really isn't a drinking culture there. Mm-hmm. And which I didn't really think about until we were there. But 
we never went to a restaurant that served alcohol. Um, I never saw a place where you could buy it. I know it is legal. It's not like you can't do it, but yeah. people just don't. To me, it, it felt like, you know, yeah. it definitely added a certain level of, of um, feeling of safety as opposed to like, if you kind of go into big cities in the U.S., yeah. And people are just kind of getting hammered. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and like not like... Like I felt more unsafe in New York or Los Angeles. Yeah. Or, or I don't know, you know anywhere. We went to New Orleans recently. Yeah, New Orleans. Like, I, I would have been okay to walk around in the Medina at night by myself mm-hmm. there. Most of the time. I wouldn't do it at 2 a.m. on just because I just don't think that's a good idea when you're traveling and you're by yourself. But yeah. it felt pretty safe. Yeah, I think the closest thing I've seen, I saw to, like, addiction in Morocco was prayer. Yeah. <laughs> like, the call to prayer, which was five times a day, and you could hear it everywhere. One of know? them being at 6.30 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, it was like your morning wake-up. It was my morning wake-up. Yeah. Many times. Mm-hmm. I was. It was interesting. Also, I wasn't sure what to expect when it came to the dress code, because women are supposed to cover elbows and knees and just in general dress way more conservatively than in the u.s and other places i've been to but i don't know it didn't seem as much as a big deal as i thought it would be and i noticed that travelers had a lot more leniency like i saw some travelers wearing really low-cut shirts and short shorts mm-hmm. and it wasn't like they were being chased down and thrown in jail or anything they just got some weird looks I covered up the whole time just because I, one, didn't want to get sunburned, and two, don't really want to draw attention to myself. But it was more relaxed than I thought. And then you saw, like, women there who would be, like, partially covered or their whole face was covered except for the eyes. So it was just interesting to see that there were different levels of the conservative dress and that people had the option and that it wasn't as strict for travelers. Yeah. It seemed like the locals were dressed very very conservatively. Even males, to my surprise, yeah. kept their skin covered for the most part. It was mostly European tourists yeah. that were dressed what I think local Moroccans would, would maybe consider provocatively or whatever. Yeah, um, showing the elbows. Yeah. <laughs> showing the knees. Yeah. And yeah. parts of the thighs. Yeah, but overall, it didn't seem like anyone was getting harassed for what Right, they, that's what yeah. I expected. That's like a preconceived thing I had, that you'd like, be in trouble. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe you would in other parts, but I never felt like it was super strict. Which is one of my biggest questions that I had before we went. And also I want to talk about, we did this on a budget. I mean, we do all of our trips on a budget. And on this trip, that meant, you know, we're always staying in places that don't cost a lot. We're never staying in fancy hotels. I like doing homestays, staying with people on Airbnb. Did you think that the the accommodation options were fairly priced for where we stayed and budget-friendly? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely budget-friendly for sure. Especially if you're comparing it to like, Europe. Or, yeah. or a place like that. I think bank. I feel like the the accommodations were really comparable and and the the price point um was really comparable to a lot of places in South America mm-hmm. and Central America. 
if you're a budget traveler and, and you've done places in Latin America, I think it's pretty close to that. And I would say they have a little bit more amenities than... Yeah, we I had was hot water often. Yeah, pretty consistently. I mean, not all, not all of our accommodations had hot running water, but quite a few of them did. Yeah. And we were staying with locals quite a bit, so it was just like their normal house. Yeah. So, is there anything you think we could have done differently to save more money? Do you feel like we messed up anywhere along the way? We budgeted pretty well. I think to save money, probably our biggest expense was transportation. This time we only had a little over 10 days of travel in the country total. So, mm-hmm. And we wanted to see a lot. So I think with that comes a higher cost of transportation. Yeah. And we did a few different modes because we took the ferry there and then uh, we took we walked a lot. Mm-hmm. We took the train, which was an <laughs> interesting experience. Yeah. And the train ended up being more expensive than I thought it would be. And the cars were not like what I thought it would be like what I was used to, like the Amtrak in the US. Mm-hmm. But the first train that we got on We're in this little room, kind of like you see in Harry Potter in the train things. But we were in there. At one point, I counted there was seats for eight people. And there were five kids. Us. they were all sick. (laughs) Yeah, they were all sick. There was us. And then there was like four four adults, maybe. Mm -hmm. So it was packed. And I think that made us be like, okay, maybe we don't want to take buses because we don't want to get sick because the kids were sick and coughing everywhere like just throwing it out (laughs) into the you know into the Mm -hmm. the train and i remember thinking probably don't want to be more packed than this after we took that train i was like i really do like taking local buses but i'm okay with getting a rental car so that we can go see more and then we have a little more flexibility and control and then also I mean, it's never fun to get sick, but it's especially not fun when you have 10 days in a country. Mm-hmm. That you could be sick for 10 days, yeah. and then that's your whole trip. So yeah. we're especially extra careful about that when we're traveling. Yeah. And I think it depends on how you like to travel, too, because some people... I mean, there are some people that, that really are just more interested in cities mm-hmm. and cityscapes and cultures within cities. So in that sense, I, it wouldn't really make... You know, you can, Does it make sense to get a rental car? Yeah, and you can go by train. And I think the public transportation to the primary cities was really, really good. Yeah, and, there's a lot of options. Fast. But I think in the rural areas, if you're inter- if you're really interested in the more nature side of things, or, or what's kind out of, there? Yeah, and seeing local village life, like all the Berber villages and stuff. And, you know, maybe interested in more traditional cultures, then I think you're going to, it's going to be really difficult if you don't have a vehicle. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, a lot of the roads that you and I went on through the Atlas Mountains, it was impossible for a bus to go through. We think it's impossible. I, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they've tried. Yeah. And we, nev- we never saw one. Yeah, I we mean, never saw a bus. We did um, see, like, bigger trucks, though, like... yeah construction mm-hmm. trucks and stuff yeah but i i think renting a car was a good idea again the internet got me a little bit because when we were looking up rental cars 
we kept reading that the police will pull you over and then you yes. you have to bribe them you have to give them money and so we were really nervous about that and even friends who live there now had said they'd had friends that came as tourists and that would get have to pay bribes multiple times yeah. a day yeah, on top of was the like, fee that they paid for their rental car yeah and the person that we met in morocco that was one of Kaylin's friends had you know when we were talking about it, they're like yeah it's not a big deal if you only have to pay once but when you have to pay eight times in a day yeah you know and that made me pretty nervous because the the price of them are not cheap i mean i've heard that the horror stories online is that they'll take your passport and mm-hmm. won't let you go until you pay them the equivalent of 40 bucks which if that only happens once in like a seven day time span is not that bad but if it's happening multiple times every day yeah then it can be pretty nerve-wracking but everything i read online about the the whole driving scenario to me it's either we got really lucky or the government cracked down on police officers (laughs) you have to stop doing that you have to stop bribing tourists are gonna stop coming and renting cars yeah, our was just over-exaggerated, like, you know. Because we never got pulled over once. The only time yeah. that I at least saw police officers when we were coming into a town that was, like, not a big town, but a little bit bigger mm. than just a village that's kind of on the side of the road. They have traffic stops, but every time that we slowed down the stop, they just were almost annoyed that we were stopping. They're like, keep going, just go on yeah. through. They never even asked us for anything. Yeah. I would say if someone was going to drive in Morocco, the key points that you need to know would Give be... Give them to us. Yeah. One is apparently, like, you will get ticketed if you do the smallest infraction. So that means if the speed limit's 80 and you're going 85, like, you get away with that in the U.S., you know, why you Not pass Not in it Morocco. Up. You need to go 80 or less. Yeah. And if you cross a solid line to pass somebody and a cop sees that they're gonna all of these things and they have very quick speed reduction on the on the road so it'll go from like 80 60 40 20 mm-hmm. within very fast very quickly like within a minute and then typically at that 20 is where there's going to be a police stop basically where well, if you're not going 20 miles through that that's when you're going to get a ticket. Yeah, so you need to go the speed limit or a little bit slower. And yeah. you need to know that no matter what speed you're going, taxis are going to leave you in the dust. Yeah, they're just going to fly right past you. It doesn't you. matter if the line is dotted or not. It doesn't matter if it's a safe place to pass or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they're all going, but they're going somewhere and they're getting there fast. And that's the thing, too. It seems like the police are much more strict with the laws, the traffic laws there, and will ticket you very quickly. But then on the the other side, the actual drivers are so much more reckless than what you would get you'd expect in the US. They're going going to use both lanes or or come around you at either side and you'll be at a stoplight and the person in front of you, if there's, if they can make it, they'll just run that stoplight. I've saw that so many times. Yeah. They use the stoplight as if it's like just nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as there. if it's just like a sign or something. Yeah. So then you pull up to the stoplight and you're stopped, like abiding by the stoplight, 
and people behind you are honking. Like they, they want think you to go. You should be going. Yeah. And then stop signs. You'll just see people that just fly just a straight through them. Um, and all of these things that are, are things you'd get tickets for if the police saw you do them. I got honked at a lot. And they say that they honk at you for any number of reasons, but I feel like I got a lot of angry honks. I didn't feel like you got that many. <laughs> I feel like I got... When we were in the cities and stuff, I feel like people... Yeah, in the cities. People um, are like, let's go. If you don't want to pay traffic tickets... And get pulled over. Yeah, the best... Hopefully. But I would also say the one last thing I would say about it is that you, outside of the cities, you rarely ever see the police actually driving. No, I like, never once saw them driving. Yeah, so the only place you're going to come in contact with cities is, are with police is when you come in and out of a town they're going to have those stop check i think a lot of locals understand where all the cops are at or at all times they know the the game and basically they'll behave any way they want in between those checks yeah and know that there's no repercussions <laughs> and then that little space where they know the police are is where so if you imagine if you drove for long enough you could drive like that yeah. But if you don't and if you don't know where the police You're are, you don't you don't want to get tickets, I would say just abide by every single traffic thing and and the odds are is that from our experience they won't mess with you. Yeah, and I would say too, yeah, expect to get honked at like you were saying. We got a lot of nice honks too though. Where it was like they passed us, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're flying. And then someone sticks their head out the window with a big toothy grin and gives us a thumbs up and starts yeah. honking. Thanks for letting us pass you. It's like, you're going to pass us either way. But um, I feel like we got a lot of nice, happy honks, too, mm-hmm. for just letting people pass. Or I mean, you don't really have a choice. But the rental car, I think, was a really good idea to see more places, and it went way better than we And for people listening, I... I'll put I'll link it in the show notes. I wrote a whole blog post, like a guide to renting a car in Morocco, and it talks about different rental companies you could choose from, all of these things we've talked about, what to expect, how to try to avoid getting pulled over, um, and much more. Like we talk about road conditions, everything that I could think of that you need to know, and how to be as protected as possible when you're renting a car. Yeah, and I will say to offset our cost of the rental. Which really wasn't that high, but the way that we offset the price is they have some really good campgrounds Mm -hmm. that we found in Morocco. More nature sides of Morocco. That one, I think it was called Zebra's Campground, is that what it's called? Yeah, that campground was awesome. Yeah, that one was really nice. They had like a, a restaurant connected to it that just have for vegans basic vegetable tangine and they have a couscous dish. Mm Mm-hmm and Minty. yeah but they had like wi-fi mm-hmm. which was nice they had a stove going in there yeah which was nice hot showers and yeah uh, it was it was really nice and also my friend Anne, who's been on the podcast before who i actually went and saw in denmark at the beginning of this trip she did morocco and she rented a car as well and she slept in the rental car she slept in her hammock places and used campgrounds mm-hmm. and she said she never had any issues with that besides it being like so hot in the rental car when she slept in there Mm -hmm. but she said sometimes you know they would just pull over and and sleep places so that's that's another option too the camp spots i think we're paying on average 100 deer ham to stay which is 
basically yeah like 10 bucks a night you but split that by two people yeah five dollars a night is and that's awesome. like you're able to to take hot showers you have all the bathroom amenities mm-hmm. and free wi-fi all those things that are nice to have whenever you're traveling and just a host that can kind of give you advice mm-hmm. you know i think that that's pretty beneficial at times so we did really well on a budget and there wasn't anything that i mean we could have just been scrappier if we wanted to i guess not eat as we didn't really eat at any really expensive restaurants but you could keep it even more basic if you wanted to than we did yeah and the food there is so cheap that for us it it didn't make sense for us to go try to find a grocery or something and make our own food unless we were going to be in the middle of nowhere when we're like way out in the country, you know, desert, mountains. That's a and good time that. to do that. Yeah, that was the only time where we really tried to load up on some groceries mm-hmm. and have meals that we could make. And other times, I mean, if you're in a city like Marrakesh, Tangier, or you just walk outside Casablanca and... or something, there's just a lot of food that's Everywhere. cheap. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be pretty easy to. to eat on a budget and the street food too there's a lot of bread mm-hmm. and soup so many different types of variations of traditional soups that were already vegan when you get the soup they give you your massive separate individual loaf of bread yeah for me it was like enough for an entire day and, yeah um, i was full after that yeah at some of those places we'd go in and we'd be the only non-locals there and it was delicious they'd give us the traditional mint tea the soup and the bread and i feel like that's all they had on their menu yeah in some places and it just all happened to be vegan 1.5 deer ham a piece dollar 50 yeah dollar 50 which that was probably the cheapest meal we had yes we were probably eating eight dollars or so for both of us for a meal? For a meal, yeah. And that's good you brought that up because I wanted to talk about vegan options in Morocco because I had heard you're going to get really sick of vegetable tangine, which is basically, I don't know, are they steamed veggies? They seem steamed to me. They're in an earthen pot that's cooked over fire. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just, yeah, it's always just a bunch of vegetables. Just veggies. Sometimes it has seasoning and sometimes it's just vegetables. And it like, was no seasoning. really good. And you could find it basically everywhere. I remember being worried we were going to get sick of just that, but there were really good options, I'd say. Couscous was on the menu a lot. And then when you were in the cities, you know, there was, you get on Happy Cow, and there's a good bit of options, but then... Even without it, too, yeah. There's... Yeah, on the street, you could do the corn, you could do the bread, there was lots of fruit. I, I never felt deprived, I don't know, I never felt like yeah. it was hard to find. We had read that... You know, we'd be sick of the whole vegetable tangine thing. But it, it actually took me a long time to try it because I would I yeah. would see it on the menu, but then I would see so many other different things that we could have. Yeah. And thinking that eventually we'd come to a point where that's all there was going to be or something. Mm-hmm. And in a few places, way out in the middle of nowhere, that was kind of our only option. Yeah. But That hardly happened, though. Yeah. I will in the show notes, uh, in case anyone plans on going to Marrakesh, put link to a couple of our favorite places on Happy Cow that we ate at. Because that mm-hmm. henna cafe, 
was really good. Yeah. We went to some other vegan places, so I'll drop those there. So we have a couple recommendations. Well, I also wanted to talk about some of your favorite places that we went to to end this off on a note where people can take notes if they are going to go to Morocco. So we we did Tangier and then to Marrakesh. Those were both great places to go. And then we did our road trip kind of east. <laughs> mm-hmm. We went east into the country, off of the coast. Would you say that you really liked all the places that we went to? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think and I'm not a huge fan of cities for long stints of time. I prefer more rural areas and nature scapes and stuff. But I will say it was just so, so different than what I've ever experienced, the Medinas and stuff, mm-hmm. that it was pretty epic. They're both unique in and of themselves. You mm-hmm. know, they both had different feels to them. Exploring the Medina and Marrakesh was wild. It was just so massive. And we got to explore it. So while we were there, we met up with friends that I met through warm showers when I did my bike trip a long time ago, almost a decade ago now. Um, And they were there. And so they were showing us around and they had a baby. And seeing the city with a baby changed our experience because everyone wanted to touch her and kiss her and dance with her and give her gifts. And so I felt like we saw this really soft really sweet side of the city too that not everyone will see they one of them met up with us right at the at the train station Mm -hmm. and kind of showed us all these different landmarks that made it really easy to to navigate so we got a we got a handle on marrakesh really quickly because of that yeah it was it was a really cool city and and all of the the sooks and just handmade everything is there any rural places that you'd like to recommend to people? The At Bin Hadou mm-hmm. place was really cool. If you're into like, all the earthen structures and seeing more traditional buildings. And, and we stayed uh, with someone not too far away who had their own earthen home that we stayed in. And I think it was supposed to look like a mini castle almost from the outside and it was really cool so i have a a guide to i know i'm saying it wrong Adit ben hadu on how you can tour that and you can stay with this local if you want and yeah i think if you're gonna rent a car there you're gonna have a great adventure mm-hmm. is there anything that you would do differently knowing what you know now yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. There's chances that we took that I was really happy that we did. Going through the Atlas Mountains on the random cut through was kind of dicey because you don't really know what the road conditions are going to be like in the high Atlas Mountains. We didn't know if we needed four-wheel drive or not. Yeah, and we just decided, you know, we'd go, we'd pay attention to the cars that are passing us. If they look like just a regular sedan then we know we could make it and uh, we just were prepared to to basically turn around and if we needed to and find another route and but I'm really happy that we did that because it was like so beautiful like just going through the center of the high atlas mountains mm-hmm. and you're just on this one lane road that is roughly paved sometimes it's not paved you're just going around these hairpin turns all the time, like honking your horn. Making hoping, sure no one's coming. Yeah. 
and you're just thousands of feet on this mountain. It's like barely enough room for a car to go around. That was actually one of my favorite parts, I'd say, of the trip was driving through there. Yeah, it was beautiful. You, It took forever. Yeah, um, on the GPS it said it would take a couple hours to get where we needed to go. Did it take six? I think it took us four? like seven and a half hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it took us a long time. The GPS was not accurate. It was intense in the sense that just the driving conditions were intense. And you, it was only one lane and, you, and it was rare that you could see who was on the other side because the turns mm-hmm. were so sharp. We got a good taste of everything that I wanted to see. Some of the the things that I guess I was a little, I wouldn't say let down, but just weren't as much of a highlight as I expected. Yeah. Which I will say, just in Morocco in general, if there's like a, a, a really beautiful place that's known to be really beautiful, it's often a little bit spoiled by, there's just going to be a lot of development right around that place. Even if it's a natural place, like you're going to see a waterfall. Yeah, which that's, yeah, that's the thing. The largest waterfall in Morocco, which is incredible. But then there's so many shops, all these people trying to sell things. Mm-hmm all around the waterfall itself that you have to go past to get down there there's no way you can pass and you'll see them at the bottom there's shops at the bottom of the waterfall yeah and it just kind of takes away the natural beauty i mean i understand obviously these people are like hustling for a reason they are trying to make a living i think it could have been done a little better for rocco to probably even generate more income for these people i think if they would have maybe had more protected areas for these mm-hmm. really beautiful sites like that waterfall and a few other waterfalls we tried to go to where even if they had to pay a little entrance fee for non-locals yeah. to go in, we have went to several protected areas in other countries that, that do that. And if they have the shop before you go into that protected area, you so know. So then you can just enjoy the nature. Yeah, I think it would be a win-win where you'd probably have a lot more people that would go there mm-hmm. and these really beautiful sites would be protected and there wouldn't be trash a lot of development around. a lot of stimulation if you tried to sit down and relax yeah you can't like, expect it to be peaceful buy this or pay me for sitting here or something you know it wasn't yeah. like you go out in nature and you just got to relax and you could have a quiet spot by yourself or you could just yeah <sighs> it, it didn't feel like we found many spots like yeah. that it is what it is now. I think it'd be really difficult for them to go back yeah. and like correct that. Like Guatemala, for instance, you go to Sumac Champay, and right outside of it, people are going to come up to you and try to sell you things. And It's part of the experience. But when you actually go into the protected area and see Sumac Champay... You can focus on it. Yeah, and it's very... It's protected if you're a tourist. You have to pay a fee to go in. And then people that live there or live outside of Sumac Champay can also benefit economically just from the amount of visitors that come. And preserve it for longer. Yeah. So to me, I feel like that's an example of one of the things that I probably wouldn't go back to certain places mm. that are really, if I did it again, yeah, that, that are like develop. really popular nature spots, I yeah. guess. But then when you're just driving through that list mountains where it's not really set up for tourists necessarily, but it's absolutely breathtaking, Mm -hmm. you get to really experience the beauty of Morocco without kind of all... The hustle and bustle. Yeah. 
I would say for me to do it again, I would one want to pick up hitchhikers. Yeah. Because there was a lot of people just young and old. That's how they get around is hitchhike. Yeah, so common. Yeah, it's so common. And I think we were just so worried about the car, having a rental car that we didn't really take many risks besides mm-hmm. driving through the mountains. So I would have liked to pick up people, like local people. Yeah. I think that would have been cool. I wish I would have known there was caffeine in the mint tea. Yeah. Because I would have just been a little more relaxed. But yeah, just relax a little bit. I feel like I had all these fears and worries, mainly hyped up by the internet and things I had read to prepare, and it ended up being a lot more relaxing than than yeah. what I had feared or expected. Yeah, me too. If once again on on the internet, you read a lot about people like hustling you. Mm-hmm. You know that if someone approaches you, they're going to try to help you, but then they're going to ask you for money. You know, it's true a lot of the time. Yeah, if you're really hyper vigilant about that. I think you're going to kind of lose out on just seeing a lot of the culture and just how giving a lot of Moroccans are. Because there are a few people that were just trying to help me. And I think at first I had my guard up and this like tunnel vision or something. Yeah. And then they're like, I'm not trying to get money from you. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. And I kind of felt like an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because they were just really nice people. You know, they're just Mm -hmm. really sweet and they have a lot of pride in and maybe where they're from, and they... And that local knowledge. Yeah, and they're super hospitable. And when we're bartering for postcards, next thing you know, like, the person's saying, if we ever come back to Morocco, we should stay with his his family, and they live in a beautiful village, and that our, we're welcome, and our family's always welcome. Yeah. And, and they're just, they're, I think... Uh, we got their number. Yeah. I feel like you kind of miss out on that when you have your guard up so much. And I think you learn. You learn as you go. There are instances where you can pick up intuitively that like someone's, someone's like, this person's like... Are they being genuine? Yeah, exactly. Which is just part of the travel. Yeah. The travel life. You can kind of get that. Like, if if you're not having that hard of a time getting to your hostel and someone really insistent on t- trying to take you to your hostel, it's because... They want money from you. Yeah. You know? And that was the hard thing, too. You have to learn how to say no, which I'm not good at. Yeah. Like, no, I don't need help. No, I don't need help. No, I don't need help. Because yeah. it's it's hard if you're a people pleaser. You don't like saying no. Mm-hmm. You really do have to learn how to do that in Morocco. Yeah. And I, I think it really helped to see your friends that were living in Marrakesh. Mm-hmm. The one guy picked us up. It was really nice to see how he interacted with that. Yeah. Because he did it with a lot of grace and he was really polite about Mm it. Someone was really insistent on trying to help us get to our place, you know, and he was just like, no, you know, we we really want to try to find it. Try to find it on our own. This is part of what we want to do. Yeah. You know, rather than than just yelling at the guy or ignoring him. Yeah. Because sometimes you just don't know how to handle the situations and it's easy just to ignore people, Mm -hmm. you know, as like you're your way your of, go-to. of doing it. And, and sometimes I, you have to, especially I think if you're a solo female traveler, sometimes you say no, you say no, and someone's not taking the hint. Eventually I just ignore people sometimes. Yeah. You know, so there's a, a good time and place for yeah, that. Totally. Yep. Is there anything else you would add to our listeners about Morocco? For people that have never been to Africa and that have never been to an Islamic country, I think it's a great one to 
dip your feet into. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of parts of the culture are really beautiful. And even just seeing the call to prayer and stuff, I think it's it's pretty powerful, you know, just to see so many people. There Taking are certain parts. Yeah, and there are like certain parts of the city that we're in where there's so many people outside of the mosque with their mats down, like on their mm-hmm. knees, all facing Mecca. The streets were closed. And just to think that millions of people are doing that in all these different countries. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful thing to see. It's worth going to, if, especially if you've only been in Christian nations or something. I think it would give you a really good uh, perspective. Something closer to reality mm-hmm. than, I mean, it is reality. You're actually yeah. seeing it. <laughs> You're actually yeah. there. <laughs> so something closer to reality than even listening to this podcast, you know, or, yeah. or, or anything that you would see online i think just to just to take it in for yourself and you'd probably be better for it i am so glad that you joined me for today's episode if you want to learn more about the topic that we discussed today head over to unrulytravel.com if today's conversation made you laugh or cry or feel seen or inspired in any way please take just 30 seconds to follow the show and rate and review it wherever you listen to podcasts Then share this episode with a friend. I'll see you next time. Stay unruly.